morning, good morning, again. <laughs> uh, before we uh, dive in, let's uh, join me in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, thank you. Um, just that we get to glean from your Psalms more truth, more encouragement, more conviction, uh, but more, more of you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for us this morning, Jesus, that you would make yourself evident in what we read and what we talk about. God, may you be glorified. And uh, whatever we're coming in with, Lord, uh, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in when we leave here and things start moving again and we're back in our weeks, whatever that looks like, God, would you use your word today to sustain us and to anchor us in truth and in your goodness. And so we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, there is an interesting artist out of Youngstown, Ohio, actually. Uh, his name is Justin, or not Justin, his name is Michael, <laughs> it's like Justin, who's Justin? Michael Murphy, Michael Murphy is his name, and he does these creative, really fascinating art pieces. I'm gonna show you one right now. Uh, so, that looks like a bunch of nonsense on the one side, but a beautiful masterpiece on the other side. And so the artwork that he does is called anamorphic artwork where you take seemingly random objects and place them in seemingly random places and you can only see the art piece from one vantage point. He has videos on Instagram where you know he has that one. You move around the whole thing and it looks like that, a bunch of scattered plastic waste just hanging from the ceiling. But then once you move into that one spot, it just, there's, this, there's a woman there. <laughs> And it's a, it's a masterpiece, right? And so this is a very interesting illustration, and I think it's a good illustration um, for what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Psalms, and we're going to be looking at how the Psalms view the scriptures. And I think for a lot of us, whether we're a Christian or non-Christian, whatever your engagement with the Bible is or was, if you don't read it anymore, it feels like that, right? Sometimes we read it and there's a bunch of random stuff. There's people, there's events, there's teachings, and it's scattered throughout the whole like 66 books, which is actually like thousands and thousands of years. And it can be hard to understand the full picture of what God is trying to communicate. We may understand specific pieces like this person or this teaching or this moment, but we don't always understand how it all connects and makes a picture of what God is trying to communicate. And so today, the Psalms is actually very, very good at telling us how we should view Scripture. It talks a lot about Scripture. 45 out of the 150 Psalms are dedicated solely to Scripture and solely to God's Word. And what we're going to find today is that when we look and approach God's Word from specific correct vantage points, we actually see what God is trying to communicate, and it, and it makes it a lot easier. So if you're ever discouraged about, like, you, you open up your Bible, and you're like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand it. I don't know if I can understand it. What if it's not so much that, you'd have, that you don't have the ability to understand? Maybe you're trying to just understand it from the wrong vantage point. 
a vantage point that God hasn't had you stand there to, to understand, but you gotta stand in the right place. So today we're going to be looking at the ways that scriptures, or the ways that Psalms view the scripture in order for us to see what God is trying to communicate and the picture of God's word of redemption. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. We're gonna read together Psalm chapter 19. This is not going to tell us everything about what we're gonna talk about today. But Psalm chapter 19 will give us a good framework for how the whole book of Psalms approaches Scripture and kind of sees it and the way it talks about it. Um, the the Scripture is not going to be on the screen. I want us to read our physical Bibles. I want us to read and, and actually feel and look at our physical Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you in the seat in front of you. The page number is there. Let's read together with our physical Bibles. And so we're going to start in Psalm 19. We're going to be in verses 7 through 14. This is what he says. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. Listen to the way he describes this. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, there's a lot going on here, right? But essentially what the psalmist is doing is he's talking about the word of God and his response to the word of God. But notice in here, he doesn't mention anything about scripture. He doesn't even use the term word of God. But instead, he uses a bunch of other terms that the Psalms will use to talk about the Word of God. And so you'll see things like testimonies, your law, your precepts. Not in this Psalm, but in other Psalms, it says your statutes. He says a bunch of different ways of talking about the Word of God. They are all about the Word of God. But we have to understand that this was a person, a Jewish person, from Israel, writing about a specific word from God. And I think it's important for us to highlight this because the psalmist is not talking about the Bible as we know it with Colossians and the New Testament and all that, all that stuff. When the psalms is talking about the word of God, it's talking about the specific law of Moses. The law of Moses, or also called the Jewish Bible or the Torah. If you don't know what the Torah is or the law of Moses, it's the first five books of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those books make a collection called the Torah. And this is what the, 
Jewish people would read. They would read it in their synagogues. They would read it in the temple. Well, not in the synagogue, in their temple at that time. Um, and, and this is what the Psalms, they're making music about this stuff. They're making music about those books that, in my opinion, are some of the most ignored books in all of the Bible. I mean, how often, and I'm literally talking about myself, how often do you wake up and you're like, oh, beautiful morning, let's open up the book of Numbers. I'm sorry, but I'd rather read Colossians and Ephesians and, heck, I'd even read Ezekiel. There's a bunch of stuff going on in Ezekiel. Numbers? I'm not good at math. Why am I going to read a bunch of numbers, right? So we think that it's about numbers, but it has actually nothing to do <laughs> with like numerical numbers and mathematical equations, right? It's actually a very good book and I'd encourage you to read it. But these are the most ignored books of the Bible. And the reason why this is important for us to understand because the Psalms will talk like that about those books. Sweeter than honey, more desired than gold. I mean, how many of us can really say that about those specific books in the Bible? let alone the entire Word of God, that we have the completed Word of God. So, this is important. But, this leads me into our first way of what we're going to see, the way the Psalms have used the Scriptures. The first way. The Word of God is infallible. Infallible. Infallible simply means that, uh, that whatever it is, whatever it's referring to, is incapable of making a mistake or being wrong. It, it doesn't, it's not, like the word of God does not make mistakes. It doesn't get things wrong. And it, it's perfect. The way that the psalmist describes it, he says, your word is perfect. But for us to understand, like we hear that word perfect and, and we, we think, we maybe have an idea of perfection, right? But the psalmist has something very, very uh, clear in mind when he's talking about perfection in, in accordance to God's word. The word that he's using is a Hebrew word, um, and it's tamim. Tamim. And it means to be in full accord with truth and fact. To be in full accord with fact and truth. So when the psalmist is saying in, in chapter 19, verse 7, he says, the law, right, your law, the Torah, is perfect, tamim. It's in full accord with truth and fact. And then in, if you look at the chapter before, in chapter 18, verse 30, he says it and reiterates it again with the same word. He says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. That's that same word, tamim. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. And so the psalmist uses this word to talk about the word of God being 100% truthful. The word of God can't misguide us, and it will never lie to you. It's incapable of lying to you. And the reason why the psalmist is able to say this about the word of God is because the psalmist understands that this is true about who God is himself, right? I don't know if you guys have read in the Gospels where Jesus says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Does anyone know that? Have you ever heard Jesus say something like that? God cannot, as an infallible, perfect God, cannot produce a word that is anything otherwise. Does that make sense? 
Good tree produces good fruit, can't produce bad fruit. God being perfect and infallible and doesn't make mistakes and doesn't lie, cannot produce or say something to you that will be anything other than that. He will communicate with you truth and he will never lie to you. He's incapable of lying to you. He, he doesn't have the ability to lie because he is truth. And so this is the first way that we should see and view scripture. This is the first vantage point for us to see this picture that God's painting in his scriptures. And it should cause us to approach humbly with humility. How many of us would say that we're perfect? Good. Good. If someone's hand went up, I would have been like, uh, okay, we need to talk, right? So none of us can claim that. Not one of us. We are all imperfect. We make mistakes. We're actually capable of deceiving ourselves, right? The Bible says our heart is deceitful. And so we, we can't be this that, that God is and that God's word is. So when we come to God's word, you know what's going to happen? It's going to point out all of our imperfections. When we approach something that's perfect, how are you not going to see all of your imperfections? I mean, you approach that, and you're like, man, I, ah, I'm definitely not that. And so it come, we come humbly. It, it tears away any arrogance that we may have. It tears away any pride. This is why uh, the Word of God says that we, we don't have any room to boast. Because when we come to the Word of God, there is no what are you going to boast about? <laughs> right? Our mistakes? No. Even our good works without Jesus are like filthy rags. And so when we come to the word of God, we come humbly and we understand and recognize that God's word is perfect because God himself is perfect. And yet, he invites you to come anyway. He invites you to read his word anyway with all your imperfections. Because the closer that we walk with perfection... Of course, we're going to see our imperfections, but the closer you are, I had someone say it to me this way, the closer you are to perfections, the more your, your imperfections are going to be highlighted. And so if you realize in your walk with Christ, man, I just really am seeing a lot of dirt in my heart lately. I'm seeing a lot of stuff that just is not good. God, what is all this? I would encourage you to say, hey, maybe you're walking Maybe you're walking pretty close with God if you're seeing some of those things because you're going you're gonna to notice it when you're walking with perfection, when you're reading God's infallible word. So that's the first way to view the scriptures, and that's the first way that Psalms views this. The second way that the Psalms view the scriptures, second vantage point, is that of clarity. The word of God gives us clarity, and this is one of the beautiful things about the word of God. It actually helps us to see. It helps us to see. One commentator said this about the clarity that comes from the Word of God. Listen to what he says. The scriptures give satisfactory light to the mind upon every subject, subject which they treat and speedily communicate more useful knowledge to the simplest believer upon the most important topics than the acutest philosophers have been able to develop through successive ages. This is the beauty of the Word of God, that it can, 
in one sense, be so full of depth that we could get confused and think, I, I just can't understand this thing, but can be so simple that a child can give their life to Jesus. It can be both. And because there is a clarity that comes with the Word of God. There's a clarity. This is a huge theme in, a theme in the Psalms, and probably the, the Psalm that makes this the most evident about the Word of God is the longest Psalm in the whole book of Psalms with 174 verses, Psalm 119. How many of you guys have ever sat down to read Psalm 119 in the morning, trying to just do a devotional? You're like, I've been here for 15 minutes. Like, I'm going to be late for work reading this Psalm, right? It's long, but it is fully dedicated to the Word of God. It, the whole thing is about the Word of God. One commentator even said, Word of God, like Word of God in one of those different ways, testimonies, statutes, precepts, whichever way, law, is mentioned in every verse in Psalm 119 except one. Every verse is about the Word of God except one. Let's read a little bit of, let's read the whole psalm right now. <laughs> Psalm 119, 129. This might kind of take you a little bit to find that. 129 to 130. This is what he says. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. That is a beautiful way to say that the word of God is clear. The unfolding of your words gives light. Another one that we may be familiar with, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a what? Is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? So the Bible, when it talks about the, or, or the Psalms, when it talks about the clarity of God's word, it uses the word light. Your word is a light. A light. I think we all understand and know the importance of light, right? We can't have life on earth without light, let alone see in our backyard for whatever we're looking for without a flashlight at night, right? But imagine with me, you're driving down Hanley Road. I don't know, I'm thinking about, just think of some road without any street lights, and you are driving without headlights and you're not scared, you're just going. You're like, all right, we're here, we're going. What are the odds that you're gonna crash? Probably high, <laughs> probably a little high, but you might get lucky. I don't believe in luck, but God might have a lot of favor on you and be like, all right, that was dumb. We'll forgive that, don't do it again, all right? But what if every single day you got in your car and every time you drove at night, you drove with your headlights off? What are the odds that you're gonna be safe and secure? Very low. You're probably not gonna live long. You're either going to crash, you're going to flip over, whatever the case. This is what we do when we try to go through life without the Word of God. Right? Maybe, we, maybe we, we're okay. Like, we're okay maybe like some weeks. We're driving without our headlights on. We don't crash that time. But if we perpetually do not engage with God's Word, it's like driving at night every day without your headlights on with all the traffic that's going on, with all of the buildings, with all of the stuff that can make you stumble and crash, that is what it's like to go through life, which is dark, 
without the Word of God and without the light and the clarity that comes from the Word of God. This is the beautiful thing about the Word of God. It gives us direction, right? Your Word is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How far does the light of a lamp go on a path? Does it show you the entire path? No. It gives you light for the space that you're walking. And so the Word of God is not going to, like, it, it will in some ways enlighten the whole path of like understanding God and understanding us and understanding those things, but it's not going to give you the answers to every specific little thing about what you should eat in the morning or about, you know, who you should marry and all these different things that we kind of like, all right, Lord, I'm going to open up your word and I'm going to point to a verse and then that is going to be you speaking to me about this regarding this thing. It's not, that's just not how it works. The, light give, the, the, the word of God gives us light for this path that we're on and enables us to be able to stay on the path of righteousness and the path of devotion. How many of you guys would agree that we live in a dark world? All of us, right? There's no question with that. Just turn on the news. It's dark in the sense of evil, but in your life, too, Maybe, yeah, there's like evil stuff happening around you, but there's also a lot of stuff that you don't know, right? There's a lot of unknowns of circumstances. Maybe you're in a circumstance, you don't know the outcome, right? Or you don't know where you're going to be in the next five years or where your family's going to, you know, there's just stuff we don't know. There's darkness in that way. The Word of God gives you a light, even in those circumstances. And that light can be assurance. That light can be truth in that moment of, hey, you're still on the path. You're still on the path. You haven't swayed off. I don't understand the whole outcome, but you're still on the path. And God's word can encourage us in that way. So, God's word is infallible. Doesn't make mistakes. Doesn't lie to us. It's also very clear. and gives us clarity into our own hearts, the world we live in, the perspective of the world, God himself, how to understand God, gives us clarity in all those different things. The last, um, the last one we're going to get into, but I want to read a few verses first. Psalm 27.1. Listen to the way the Psalms, again, talk about this idea of, of God's word being a light. The Lord is the light, my light, and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 36, 9. Listen to this. This is crazy. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. That's an interesting way of just saying the only way we're going to understand anything about life and the reality of ourselves, life, God, is by dwelling in the light of God and dwelling in the light of his word. That is, in your light, we see light. We see light as, as things should be. So the, the word of God gives clarity. That's another view, another standpoint to view the scriptures to see God's redemptive purpose. The last one is glory. Glory, the perspective of glory in the Word of God. Listen to a few of these Bible passages here from the Psalms. Psalm 119, again, beautiful Psalm. 
14 and 16. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 1, 1 through 2, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The Psalms talks about the word of God with a very specific word, delight. I delight in your law. I delight in your word. I delight in your testimonies. How many of us would use the word delight for the word of God? We use it for food. We use it for a lot of other things. But I can't honestly say in my own life that I've always associated the word of God with the word delight. Sometimes it hurts to read it. Sometimes it hurts to go to it. And sometimes I just, I'm not feeling it one day and I just don't want to. And that's what it is. It's not the delight of my heart sometimes. Again, the psalmist is talking about the first five books of your Bible. The Torah, the law of Moses. And he's saying, this is a delight. This is, I want to meditate on this day and night. I want this to be the delight of my heart. The Word of God is infallible. It's trustworthy. It brings clarity. But those things matter for us. And those things, we could see those things. The only way to see those things and really take hold of those things is if the Word of God is your delight. If it's not your delight, we can know those things, but it will simply just be out of duty that I know those things. I will always go to the Word just as a good Christian person, and this is the Christian thing to do or the religious thing to do, if I don't have the delight to go to his word. right? If, and I'm not saying you have to be happy every single time you open your Bible. <laughs> That's impossible. I'm not saying you have to be in the best place to open your Bible. Actually, I would say like in your worst moments, you're going to be more tempted to not go to the word of God. And That's exactly where you should be. Delight doesn't mean happy all the time. To delight in God's word does not mean that you understand it all the time. It doesn't mean that you get what it's saying all the time, that you, you're not going through anything right now, and so you're able to delight and enjoy it. No. Delight in the word of God means, I believe that the God who is speaking this word, and when I'm reading this word, this is coming from my heavenly Father. I am hearing the voice of the Father when I read Scripture. Like, listen to me when I say, like, this is not just a book. This is not like any other book, right, that is on your shelf or that you've read. This is God's word. It is his spoken, revealed, divine word for you and for me and, and about life. And, and it holds power in that. Hebrews chapter 4 says that God's word is alive. It's alive. Like, have you ever read scripture and read the same verse you've been reading for years? And one day you read it and you're like, did I ever read that scripture before? Was that there? 
Like, I could read a verse 15 times in a day and do it for three, three years. And on year four, for whatever reason, my heart sees something in the scriptures of those same verses that I didn't see before. This is what it means that the word of God is alive. It's alive and it's sharp. It's sharp. It divides between soul and spirit. It gets at the very intricacies of your heart. The things that you don't see, it's able to pinpoint. It's able to, to, to give clarity in those things. But more than anything else, this is the voice of your Father. How many of us want to hear from God? We don't have to struggle. We don't have to wait for signs and wait for things. He's given it. He's like, I've already spoken to you. I'm speaking to you right now. Always. Always. I don't, I'm not stopping. It's right here. And so what we have to do is we just simply have to read it. We have to engage with it. We have to open it up and we have to see it not just as a book with words, but see it as a conversation that God is having with you. He is declaring his word to you through different authors and through all of the different intricacies of scripture and the events and the historical stuff. All those things we're reading, but it's all to give you one message. One message. The question is, what's the message? What's the picture? What is it all getting at? What is all this? 66 books, loads of different authors. What is, what is all this getting at? What's the picture? Jesus. Jesus is the picture. And sometimes we don't see Jesus because sometimes we don't see him from, we don't look at it from the right vantage point. So we may read Leviticus and we think, boring, that's dumb. <laughs> what in the world? Like it's repeating itself like so many times. It's all about these laws. What does this have to do with anything? What is this going to do for me? Wrong vantage point. We may read Genesis. We may read about Abraham or Joseph or, you know, whatever the case. We could read anything in the Old Testament. Read about the prophets and God telling the prophets to do some crazy things, right? And think, man, what in the, what? Why? What does that have to do with anything? Wrong vantage point. Jesus is the picture of the word of God. Indeed, he is the manifested word of God. John 1 says that God, or Jesus, manifested himself, dwelt among us. The Word of God became flesh, put on a human body, and dwelt among us. And then he dies for our sins, he resurrects, sends to heaven, and then he does something really crazy. He makes it possible for himself to live inside of you, an imperfect person who is definitely not infallible, doesn't always have clarity, and is not glorious in and of yourself. Yet, the person who is those things chooses to dwell inside of you by the Holy Spirit. This is the beauty of the picture of God's word. It is all centered on Jesus. Jesus talks about this in the Gospels, where in John chapter five, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, studied diligently the Torah. They would memorize the first five books of your Bible. They can spit it off the top of their head like nothing. And Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently 
You study them, but you, you don't see that it's about me. You miss the whole point entirely. And so we can do all these things with the Word of God. We can read the Word of God. We can be engaged with the Word of God. But if we are doing it from the wrong vantage points, we will miss the picture of God, who is Jesus. We will miss God himself. This is why you can have a bunch of different people who read the scriptures and do not come away seeing Jesus. I just read an article by a humanist. And the article is all about how the word of God is terrible. That the God who is in the, in, in the Bible is a tyrant. He doesn't love people. He hates people. He's a murderer. He's a killer. He doesn't like anything. He, he just loves slavery, loves all these things. And they're quoting Bible verses. They got the Bible verses right. But they're not, they're not looking at it from the right vantage point. And that's how it is sometimes with the people that we know in our families or even us sometimes. We're like, God, I look at this and at this point in my, in my life, I'm just like not, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with this. And that's because we're not looking at it from the right vantage point and we're not seeing Jesus. The infallibility of the word helps us to understand Jesus as the spotless lamb without defect, worthy of atoning for our sins. 1 Peter 1.19 The clarity of the word helps us to see the power of Christ to open the eyes of blind. The blind. That's you, that's me. Without Jesus, we're blind. Jesus gives us the ability to see. And I'm convinced that this is one of the reasons why Jesus healed blind people in his ministry to show them, okay, I healed your physical sight. It'll probably go bad when you get old. But I'm doing this to show you that I can heal your spiritual sight. You don't see how you should see. And you don't hear how you should hear. Let me heal you. Let me give you sight. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the glory of the word causes us to behold Christ as beautiful, deserving all glory and honor. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says that Jesus, who is the Son of Man, is given all glory, honor, dominion, authority, worshipped by all nations. And Jesus knew that he was this, this Son of Man, and this is why he was crucified. Because he called himself the Son of Man. And so when we approach God's word, the Psalms encourages us says, hey, word of God is infallible. It's not going to misguide you. You may not agree with it sometimes, but that's not God lying to you. It's clear. It gives us clarity. helps us to see. It awakens dead people. It gives blind people sight. And it's glorious. It is the delight of your heart. I'm going to end on... The last point of delight, one of the, and this is just to give a picture of what, what happens when God sees you delighting in his word. So one of the best things about being a dad, so far, I mean, he's got some, he's only five months, he's going on six months, Apollos, little Apollos, what's up, man? Right? So one of the best things so far of, of just getting to interact with our son is the joy on his face when we speak to him. I mean, we can be talking about nothing. I could tell him, boom, bang, pow, and he's gone. He's laughing. He's doing whatever. He, he just likes hearing my voice. He 
He just likes hearing Jordan's voice. He loves to hear from his father, from his parents. God delights in you when you delight in his word. I don't know if you guys know that, that God actually delights in you, but it's true. God delights in his people. And when we enjoy hearing from his word, it's a delight to his heart as a father, as your heavenly father, who is not just speaking blibble blabble like I do to Apollos. He's speaking truth. He's speaking stuff that you need in whatever season you're in, stuff that really make a difference in your life. And so we can be assured and we can be confident that when we come to this thing, I may not understand everything, and I'm not going to understand everything. It's a, it's, a, it's a fool's vision to think that I'm going to understand all of this stuff and all of the complexities and depths of that's in here in this life. I'm just not going to. But I can come to this and know that when I come to this, I'm hearing from the voice of my Father, and that can give me joy, whatever circumstance I'm in. And so I'm going to pray. Lord, God, forgive us. Forgive me of when I take your word for granted. Of when I look at it and I simply just read it out of duty. Or for me specifically, when I just approach your word in times of preparation. And I don't, I don't sit with it to see you, to spend time with you. God, I thank you that you're a forgiving God. That it, when we come and we repent of our sins, and we confess them to you, Jesus, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And so we confess that we don't always see the word of God as we should. And we confess, Lord, that Maybe sometimes I don't want to see what you're really saying because it's going to hurt and it's going to cause me to have to deny myself and maybe sometimes, probably all the time, it's going to cause me to have to crucify the dead stuff inside me and the bad stuff inside of me and that's going to hurt. But God, help us to see your word as your voice speaking to us. God, that you have given us a picture of redemption you have made your word manifest in the person of Christ. That we are able to see your word and we are able to see Jesus in your word. And I thank you, Jesus, that you desire that for us. I pray, Lord, that as we leave here and we go about our weeks, whatever circumstances we're in, that we will not neglect the light of your word. But even more so in those circumstances, we would be wholly dependent on it, knowing that without this, I am walking and stumbling in darkness. I am walking and stumbling in the unknowns. I'm driving with my headlights off. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the beauty of your word. Help us to see the beauty of Christ in your word. We thank you, Jesus.
And we say all of this in your mighty name. Everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.